I'm Samantha. And you're listening to Reaper Tales. And today we're recording in person. Under a table. <laughs> Under a table. In a fort. It's like no, a table fort. This is a very interesting fort, but it works. And kudos to my husband who helped set up the mic. And this was definitely a group effort. It's a mess. Yeah, it, it is. Um, there's a cat right next just to you. Literally. Yeah. That's a cat. I'm bud. just hoping she doesn't knock over the blankets yeah that are currently helping our sound i hope so, so. if the sound goes wonky all of a sudden it's because there is one cat that we allowed to be in here because montana said and i quote she'll be fine she won't do anything so i guess we'll test that out yeah meanwhile there's one that was just banging on the door yeah so you might hear some banging in the background <laughs> i have a little pocket door and he's banging on it slamming in i don't know he might be just running into it Who knows? yeah probably he's that dumb um but today's our anniversary it's our one year anniversary happy so, anniversary cheers. cheers uh for anyone who wants to know we are drinking what is it it's a new the uh hazy snake yeah hazy snake a hazy snake is it good, good people from good people yeah oh well well before we knew yeah things change um, that's a local brewery, but we have another one that I have a backup because, uh, obviously, I have a backup and it's a Rebellion Red Lager from Yellowhammer in Huntsville. So, another local. Yeah, I should have grabbed a backup. I didn't do that. Um, thinking ahead. Well, you go first, so you might still have some left. Yeah, that's true. Um, so, so if you hear the in the background, that's me just opening my back up. Yeah, probably. So today, since it is our anniversary, we wanted to do something a little bit different. And um, so we did a blanket fort. No, just kidding. We did a blanket. We're in person. <laughs> we I can touch person. her. Oh, my it's God. Weird. I was very uh, confused because I I was like, but I have to wear a headset. How am I going to put a headset on? She's like, we're in person. You can hear it. But I need it. Oh, I don't need a headset. No. Oh, Okay. <laughs> We're good. Only I need a headset. <laughs> That's a first. The last time we did it in person, we didn't do that because we each had different mics. This is also the first time we're ever recording with the same mic. Yeah, I know. It's is which is very different. It's odd. It's odd for sure. I do. I think I like it better. Um, quite frankly, even hunched over under a table. Aw, I know. I've always wanted to be this close to you, Sam. <laughs> sure. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, the things we do for. Our lovely listeners. Yeah, no kidding. Punched over under a table. Uh, you'll get those pictures, I'm sure. Um, yeah, because we got some pictures under and uh, over looking. Yeah. So today we're actually going to do, like I said, we're going to do something that we normally don't do. And no, it's not just the blanket fort. It is, uh, we decided to do two different cases that we said we wouldn't do normally on mainstream on this podcast Simply because they've been covered either a lot or they're already solved. And there are cases that got us interested. They're one of the few, the first cases that got us really interested in true crime. Got us talking about yeah. possibly doing this. And uh, once you hear mine, you will understand why I choose the, the stories that I choose. Because mine is still unsolved to this day. But it has been widely covered so, I'm up first. You are up first. I am up so let's first. Let's get to it. So, let's 
Buckle up, buckaroos. Uh, today, I'm going to tell you the story. I also said buckle up, dear listeners. Now I have to figure out something else to say. To you. Oh, no. I was first. <laughs> I know. I let you go first. If you're not first, you're last. <laughs> day of my life. All right. So I'm going to tell you about the disappearance of Bryce Laspisa. Um, like I said, this has actually been covered on a lot. Wow. I have never seen your notes. You are not kidding. They are really blown up. All right. Yeah. That's well, I can't see. I'm blind. So am I, but I have glasses. <laughs> it's like when I tell you I have like seven pages of notes, it's like four pages of your notes. Probably. Yeah. So when I have seven pages, it's like two episodes. Yeah. Uh, morning. I'm six. So oh. I'm going to make it go fast. As oh, fast okay. As I can. Okay. Okay. Well, let's, let's get through mine. Um, so again, I'm going to tell you about the disappearance of Bryce Laspisa. And just to give you kind of like a heads up, um, I'm going to have some thoughts at the end of this. I'm going to have some thoughts in the middle of it. And it's nothing that any other podcast hasn't said. But I, I have feelings about this. You don't say. I have. Some, you never have feelings. I have some strong feelings. I mean, if anybody listened to the last episode, they all know I have strong feelings. Uh, on, that note. on that note, yeah, I know. Anyways, let's get into it. Um, Bryce Laspisa was born on April 30th, 1994, uh, to parents Karen and Michael Laspisa in Springfield, Illinois. He was the only child to the couple, and he demonstrated an artistic talent at an early age. He was known to be charming and easygoing, which won him over friends easily. In 2012, Bryce graduated from Naperville Central High School right outside of Chicago. His parents had recently retired and decided... Also, his parents retired when he graduated high school? Like, how great is that? Uh, mm-hmm. Depends on how old they were. Yeah, and I, I don't know how old It's they like, were. when you said that, all I could think of was like every, every 90s and early 2000s movie where you ever note, if, I don't know if you've ever noticed this, but this is something my husband brings up every single time we watch one. The parents are so freaking old to that's have true. teenagers. And so when you said that, that's all I was like, it's like every 90s or 2000s movie. Yeah, and it doesn't work like that. Like normally Not people typically. have children in their 20s or their 30s and nobody's like retiring in their 50s they're not graying typically like full silver hair yeah not typically it happens but not often i did have i did go to school with somebody and her parents like when she was in middle school i went to her house and her parents were both like old like gray hair like old. i mean it's possible so my parents are i think my mom was 30 when she had me so my parents were older than most of my, like, most of the people that I went to school with. My parents were older, but she was 30 when she had me. So that's still pretty young. Yeah. She would be 50 when I moved out, in theory, if I moved out at 20. So, again, not a solid head of gray hair. 59 is typically your retirement age. So she was 10 years from retirement, in theory. How old were they? I have no idea. I didn't, like, we don't have the bandwidth or the time in this episode for me to go into it. It was just like, oh my God, that's 
man. Good I, for them. Yeah. I'm, yeah. Good for them. <laughs> retired from raising kids, retired from work. Done. I just was like, I wish I could retire right this second. <laughs> anyway. Uh, so his parents had recently retired and decided they would move their little family to California, settling in Laguna Niguel, Orange County. Ow. You're going to hear bumps. I'm just, I'm just going to keep hitting my head. There's like drawers here. Shortly after they arrived, Bryce moved to, uh, moved north to Chico, 90 miles past Sacramento. So Laguna Niguel, and we're going to get into it because I had to like do a whole map thing and then I had to explain the map thing later. But basically Laguna Niguel is like bottom west side of um, California and then sorry I hit the mic and then like Sacramento is kind of like in the elbow Mm -hmm. of California and then right above that's Chico 90 miles above that whatever it's Chico California is a big state you don't you don't really think about it but it is a pretty big state yeah I mean it's like Texas except for California it's just long and Texas is like bitch I'm here yeah Sure. That's an interesting (laughs) description, but we'll go with that. Uh, He was starting his freshman year studying graphic and industrial design at Sierra College. During his freshman year, Bryce received good grades, became close friends with his roommate, Sean Dixon, and started dating another student, Kim Sly. While on summer break, Bryce told his parents, girlfriend, and friends, that he was ready to go back to school. Uh, when you said that, I was like, he told girlfriend. I thought that's what he was saying. You, no, no, no. The pause. I, that's what was. Also, I'm realizing I can't mute my mic when I do stuff. Yeah, I know. So you got to <laughs> chill out over there. I see you like wiggle or me. <laughs> Calm down. Um, he seemed to be thriving and was looking forward to what the future held for him. Bryce would return to Sierra campus two weeks before classes resumed. And by all accounts, he seemed fresh and eager to start the new semester. Karen, Bryce's mom, described a phone call they had after his return as a normal conversation. He attended classes and picked up where he had left off with his relationships back at school. So he's back in school. He seems totally normal. Everything's fine. First semester went great nobody can see me holding up my thumbs but samantha can because we're in a table (laughs) for it uh normally i point that out in a video but we're like just here i'm just like right here Uh, hey um so yeah everything's going great how have i not heard this story by the way you said it was a common story but i don't remember ever hearing this once i get into the details of his disappearance i think you're gonna remember what happened um you might be giving me too much credit I, I don't know. This one was the one that just stuck with me so much. And like, I have um, just a segue a little bit. I had a couple of different ones where I was like, oh my God, what happened to him? Because my passion is like people who, I don't say passion, it's like, it bothers me. It's the thing that keeps me up at night is like, what happened to these people where they just like disappeared? And that's, you know, like pretty Ashley Porter where she disappeared from mm-hmm. her bedroom. And um, um, I used to say the Panama girls where they eventually their remains were found, but they went missing in uh, the, uh, was it 
it was the, the Panama forest, whatever. Um, but I think I know, I think a lot of us know what well, happened. But there. also I don't follow a lot of missing cases. Cause again, that's unsolved. I don't follow a lot of unsolved cases. Cause again, that's unsolved. And, um, I don't like that. <laughs> so we're two very different no. individuals. So it's very possible. I haven't heard the story. Well, like my whole job is like solving no, I get problems. It. Like, and I'm like, so is oh, mine. What happened, but I don't. I very rarely, if ever, have a situation where I can't solve the problem. Oh, that's true. Not having a solution is a problem for me. Yeah. Well, so I don't do this because I can't solve it, and I know I can't. Yeah, I think I think you're. Yeah, you're not going to be able to. But this was the. It's fine. It's fine. It's fine. This was the top one. Like I'm getting used to it. I've heard where people ask like, if you. If you could have the answer to like one case, and some people are like um, John Bonet Ramsey, a lot of people are like John Bonet Ramsey, uh, but like everybody, I, I think we know what happened there. Yes. Again, we're never covering that no. child case. Um, so this is the one where I'm like, I think I know what happened, but I can't be a hundred percent for sure, and I need to know. Like this is one of those things. Like I need to know what happened. Maybe you'll find out. I know. That's Here okay. we go. So, things began to go south after he re- his return, however. Sean and Kim noticed small changes in Bryce's behavior. He was becoming more withdrawn, erratic, and depressed. Kim recalled that Bryce admitted to taking the drug Vyvanse. For those of you who don't know, Vyvanse is an amphetamine... Sorry, amphet... Yeah, an amphetamine. I thought it was going to be like a different word for it no it's an it's it's, it's, it's an amphetamine um derivative used to treat adhd which bryce didn't have this the severe side effects for this medication include psychosis depression and mania and just as a note this is the medication that i take for adhd i do have adhd and it's worked great for me it works differently when you actually have the disorder that the medicine is meant to treat. No. Yeah. It, truly. Um, I did. I do want to point out. First two weeks. Pretty rough. I had pretty severe headaches. Couldn't sleep. And now. Adjustment. Yeah. It was like an adjustment period. So if he's like taking this medication regularly every day. If he doesn't take it for like a day or two. The withdrawal effects for that. Like it, it's pretty severe. I mean, for those of the dear listeners that don't know, I have uh, been diagnosed with basically narcolepsy. It's actually called idiopathic hypersomnia, which means you're super sa- uh, super tired all day long, essentially, um, and you don't have any actual reason specifically why they can't diagnose it as narcolepsy. Well, the only treatment for that is Adderall, so it's the same thing, only so I need it, but for a different reason. But it does the same thing for me. Basically, all it does is it keeps me awake so that I can actually pay attention to what I'm doing instead of falling asleep at my desk, which happened multiple times. Yeah, it did. So, you know, when you need it, I'm just saying. Yeah. Um, and taking yeah. it outside of that can have. That Hello, was, bang. That was how. Yeah. <laughs> uh, there are not ghosts, although I'm trying to currently convince myself of that since he keeps doing it. I mean, that. his name is Hal. And I know he was named after. House, um, moving castle, moving castle, yes. <laughs> Which I'm, 
I want to love him because of that, but I hate him so much. so hard. (laughs) He's the worst cat. He's the worst. He has a thing about closed doors. So he'll, he'll bang on it for a minute and then he'll leave it alone and then he'll come back. So yeah, enjoy that. So anyways, back to like the Vyvanse. Um, Vyvanse can be really beneficial for people. Like, I couldn't sleep for the first two weeks, but now I can, like, nap in the middle of the day, which I couldn't even do before I took Vyvanse. And I feel so much better, like, When you sleep at night. Yeah, I can sleep at night. And it's just, it's, it's incredible if you need it. But if you take it when you, on a regular basis, when you don't need it, even not on a regular basis, it, it can be detrimental to your health. So just keep that in mind. Keep it. Keep in mind that it's an amphetamine, which is a derivative of oh, I don't know, methamphetamine. There's a reason why. Yeah. So, um, it didn't stop with the Vivance either. Sean Dixon, Bryce's roommate, says he began drinking hard liquor every day. Sometimes uppers as, and downers. Uppers and downers. Sometimes as much as two fifths in a single weekend, which. I gotta say, I love a good drink, but that's even a bit much for me. That's a lot to mix with uppers. Yeah, it truly is. Well, that's like somebody who is taking, it's like somebody who is taking something to stay awake and then they take, they like drink alcohol or they take like pain medication to like go to sleep. Or anxiety medication yeah. or something like that. It knocks them out. Muscle relaxers. And those can really fuck with your head. And that's why I well, mean, and so can alcohol. Yeah, at, at that, at a certain level, it really can <laughs> really mess you up. And so, like, just you know, like my own experience, I didn't want to be put on eight. The reason why I waited so long to be put on ADHD medication is because I wanted to be fully off of my anxiety medication, which is a downer. Mm-hmm. And I didn't want to be on both. And they were willing to put me on both, but it was not something I felt would benefit me in the long run. So Fair enough. Because I've seen so many things like this happen. Yeah. Bryce also told Kim that he'd been taking the ADHD medication to stay up playing video games. Kim was worried about this confession, but Bryce seemed dismissive about it. Uh, Yeah, this is where I kind of went into... I couldn't imagine taking this to stay awake. I've never gotten such good sleep since I'm on vacation. <laughs> Slightly different experience. <laughs> yeah. According to Sean and Kim, Bryce's use of Vivance became alarmingly frequent during the first two weeks of the fall semester. On August 27th, Bryce sent a text message to Kim breaking up with her. The text said that she'd be, quote, better off without him. He then sent another text to Sean, and I, I want to premise this. So I say she he broke up with Kim on the tw- August 22nd, mm-hmm. 27th. Ugh. On the same day, he sent a text to Sean and said, quote, I love you, bro. Seriously, you're the best person I've ever met. You saved my soul. On this same day that he sent those two different text messages, Bryce gave Sean, his roommate, his Xbox, and also gave away a pair of diamond earrings that his mother had given him. That's a bad sign. It truly is. So that's that's 
the 27th. The next day, August 28th, Sean called Bryce's mother to tell her he was worried about Bryce. So his roommate was like, yo, something's wrong with Bryce. Let's just keep that in mind as we go through this story. I would be doing the same thing. Mm-hmm. Later that night, Bryce called Karen. Bryce was at his now ex-girlfriend's house, Kim's, and Kim was concerned about Bryce's behavior, so she had taken his keys to his 2003 Toyota Highlander. She believed he was not fit to drive. Once Bryce told his mother about their argument, Karen spoke with Kim and convinced her to return his keys and told Bryce to go home and go to bed. So he convinced her that he was fine. He was sober. And she was like, okay, I'm, you know, eight hours away. I can't verify this, but sure. Give him his keys back. Let him go home. Sure. Again, I have feelings about this. Though Karen wasn't concerned enough to not let her son drive home, she was concerned enough to offer to fly up to check on Bryce. She, he told his mother not to come until he had spoken to her the next day. Quote, I have a lot to talk to you about, he told his mother and left Kim's apartment. Okay. Here's where things get wonky. You don't say. It's, it's already a little wonky, but sure. Oh, it gets worse. Okay. Bryce called his mother at 1 a.m. the following day, August 29th. She assumed he was calling from his apartment. You know, like, he had left Kim's. He made it home. He called her. He's going to bed, right? However, phone records would later show he called from a location about an hour's drive south of Rockland. So I looked it up because I was like, where is this place exactly? I'm no investigator, but I like to look at maps and see where things are. So I'm going to lay it out for you just a little bit um, before we get started. So Bryce was in Chico, which is northeastish of California. Okay. So California is kind of like this. Um, nobody can see what I'm doing, but uh, it's helping me. Thanks. So it's like northeastish California. It's like right above. Oh yeah, here we go. It's like right above the elbow dip in California. <laughs> and if you don't know what I'm talking about, California looks like an arm bent at the elbow. Okay. It looks like it. It honestly looks like one of those sleeves that uh, athletes wear on their elbow. Yeah, it does. So it kind of looks like when that. It's slightly bent. So if you bend your arm right now and you point like right above like the little um, elbow, the crook of your elbow pit. Yeah, on your bicep. That's where um, that's where um, Chico is. Thank you, Alan. Yeah, I heard him too. Um, da da da. So it, uh, it's above, Chico's above Sacramento. Rockland is just north of Sacramento. So if you think of like Chico is like your upper bicep, um, Rockland is going to be like your lower to mid bicep. And then Sacramento is going to be like right before you get to that bend in your elbow. Okay. However, Laguna Niguel, where his parents live, is way south. And it's south west so he's kind of heading like southeast but i also know that he's on a highway that kind of goes east and then it goes back west 
I just wanted like clarification when I looked at the map and I find that visualizations work in some ways. So at this point he's in Rockland. He's like many hours away from Laguna Niguel and he calls his mom. She doesn't think anything of it. Thinks he's home, blah, blah, blah. Now we're going to get back to Bryce or better yet, Karen at 11 AM the same morning. So Bryce had called him, called his mom at 1 a.m. At 11 a.m. the same morning, Bryce's parents were notified that Bryce had used his roadside assistance service. And in, here's where enters our story's true hero, um, a man named Christian. And he is the owner of the Castro Tire and Gas in the town of Buttonwillow. And yes, I looked up Buttonwillow. It's much further south. And it's about three hours north of Laguna Niguel. So we're talking like uh, Laguna Niguel is your wrist. It's like mid forearm. Forearm. I forgot the name of forearm. You're welcome. Thanks. Um, It seems Bryce was on his way to his parents. Christian reported that he delivered three gallons of gas to their son after he ran out of fuel around 9 a.m. And being the superhero that he is, Christian offered to go back to the spot where he'd seen Bryce and check on him, even though he had delivered gas three hours ago. Once he was there, he discovered that Bryce hadn't left the same spot. He was still there. Three hours late, over three hours Wait later. Wait a second. I ah, remember you telling, no, you told me this story. I actually never heard this one. You told me this story. Okay. okay now I recognize okay. it. All right. Okay. It's clicking. It's clicking, people. We have lift off. Uh, Screw you. <laughs> Christian spoke with Bryce and told him that his parents were worried about him, and he called to let them know that their son, uh, where their son's location was. Bryce agreed to make the three-hour drive home, and Christian watched him drive off. This all took place around 3 p.m. that day, so August 29th. Several hours later, when Bryce hadn't shown up when he should have, his parents filed a missing persons report with Orange County Sheriff's Department. They tracked his cell... What is it with Orange County? I hear that so much. Uh, They have a lot of crime. (laughs) I don't know. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) So much. I hear the Orange County Sheriff's Department so many times. Yeah, I know. Normally, I wouldn't cover like a California case either. So you're welcome. I don't know. Sure. Um, they tracked his cell phone and dispatched two officers to locate him. They found him only a few miles from where Christian had last seen Bryce. So he had gone like two miles down the road and just pulled off again? I, I don't know. The officers reported that Bryce seemed friendly, lucid, and showed no signs of intoxication. They also checked his vehicle and found no drugs or alcohol, which is weird. Mm-hmm. especially if he's been binging for two weeks. Things get even weirder from here. You see, Bryce wasn't a child. He hadn't, as far as anyone knew, been involved in any crimes. So the police couldn't detain him. Before they left him, they told him he needed to call his mother. However, Bryce was hesitant to do so. They told him his mother was extremely worried about him, and he still seemed hesitant to call her. 
One of the officers finally took Bryce's phone and called Karen himself. He convinced her that Bryce had passed their field sobriety test and appeared to be fine. They had no doubts about him being on the road, and this reassured Karen somewhat. She then spoke briefly with her son, telling him that he needed to get himself something to eat and then get back on the road. I mean, I, I kind of hate it for the police, though, because there's, there's not really anything they can do. He's not doing anything wrong. He's acting weird, but he, he's not done anything that they can really do anything about. And he's not a child, so... But at this point, he is on, like, our, I think, what was it, 3 p.m.? No, it that was... Christian left a few hours later. I think he's coming up on, like... Well, it's weird, but they don't have any legal rights to detain him in any way, shape, or form. I know. It's just so So bizarre. I kind of get it. Like, that's weird, and it's probably frustrating, but at the same time, it's like, what are the police going to do? Like, come get your kid. I don't know what to tell you. (laughs) He's here. He's not going anywhere. Well, we'll get into that. Don't worry. I have, again, I have thoughts. Okay. Continue. Bryce told his mother he would get on the road and the deputies dipped out. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Disney. Out. And uh, the deputies no, dipped on say. out of there. Mm. Surprised that's your wording. <laughs> Even though Bryce told his mother he would leave and head home, our pal Christian passed by a few hours after the police showed up and saw Bryce still sitting in the same spot. Christian immediately called Karen to inform her that her son was still on the side of the road. I think Christian is like, uh, dude, bro's being weird, and I'm going to keep an eye on him. Yeah. I'm kind of, it's, I don't even know if it's a concern thing. It's just a curiosity thing at this point. Well, yeah. And you, yeah. I mean, maybe he's a dad or something like that. And he's like, if my kid was acting this way, you know, well, whatever. But Christian, like, Christian's cool. He's like, this dude, something's, something's up. So uh, he told Karen that he would follow Bryce to onto the interstate to make sure he got on it this time instead of just being like, bro, you need to leave. And he's like, okay, I will. Like, he's like, no, I'm going to follow you. And he does. I mean, he does. We're, we're about to get into it, but here's where. All right. I'm, <laughs> I said, I'm sorry. I just need to point out that Bryce has been in this location for over 13 hours at this point. 13 hours. His parents are yeah, three. Maybe they could get him on loitering. No, it's not even that. His parents are three hours away. They could have gone and to this yeah. location over twice at this point to check on him. This whole situation is just bizarre to me. Why... After that first call, why wouldn't you, especially after the second one, when the police checked on him, why wouldn't you, like, travel down to, like... Honestly, if I can just say this from personal experience with my stepkids, if one of them said, if, if, if I knew that they were on the side of the road, I'd be like, hey, dude, dude, bro, Christian, you're my, you're my bud. I want you to just kind of check every so often... Um, if you don't mind and make sure he doesn't leave because I'm heading that way and I'm yeah. going to get him. And I feel like he's already been kind of involved at this point. So he'd probably hang out and do just that. So yeah. I don't know. it does strike me as weird. It makes no sense to me. Like you're three hours away. And I said, um, <laughs> Sam, if you called me three hours from my house and I found out you were still in the same location two hours later, 
I would get my happy ass up and drag <laughs> your ass out from your car. I just don't get it. Like, I don't get it. I, it's three hours. I travel seven hours to get down here. Mm-hmm. Like, three hours is nothing. Well, and if you live in California, and it's at, nothing. And at this point, he has been sitting in the same sort of vicinity. He's moved a couple of miles for over 13 hours. And the boy hasn't slept. He has not slept. He's just sat in his car. This is weird. Yeah. It's weird. I'm not arguing with you. This is beyond weird. I just, I don't, I can't understand it. And like, I've, I'm not a parent, so I can't put myself in like Karen's position. But at the same time, if I would, if I would get up and go seek out a friend in a situation like that, I can imagine I would do that or more for a kid. I don't know. You would hope. Yeah, I would hope. It just seems like maybe... A part of me feels like maybe this wasn't new behavior. That's the only reason why. Yeah, that's the I only can, reason, I like, I, I would think this would be okay. Maybe. Yeah, but even if it wasn't new behavior, I can't imagine ever being in that position. I can I can say, as, as a step-parent, at least, there are certain behaviors that after a few times, you're like, all right, look. We've been through this. It's happened. I reacted the first one, two, three, four times. It's getting old. I need you to to stop and, and just do something else. But, stop doing this. But that being said, in real life, you're not supposed to do that. Yeah. Every single time you're supposed to show up. And I get that. But I also can understand parental fatigue. When it comes to a child doing something over and over and over again, because it becomes that question of how many times do I try to come to their rescue and how many times do I let them fall on their face? Yeah. And so, you know, if this is something, and I don't know because I don't know the whole story, but if this is something that had happened multiple times, I can kind of see that. I mean, what if they had bailed them out every other time outside of this? And this was the one time that they were like, dude, no, just stop. Like, there are consequences to your actions. I don't know, but I could see that as being a possible reason, not justification, but reason. I can, too. Um, but from everything that I've read from the parents, uh, from their Facebook and things like that, and yes, we'll get into the Facebook a little bit later. I'm going to stop talking because there's we're going to cover two. I know. We're going to have another two-hour There's no, like, indication that he had ever acted this way before. And the most bizarre thing is like his friends and his ex-girlfriend, I mean, recently ex, probably still girlfriend. I mean, at that point, you know how kids are, um, was calling his parents. There's never been a point in my life where I have had a friend act so bizarrely that I called their parents. Like this must've been bad. And they were just like, no, give him his keys back. Mm. I don't know. Uh, it's weird. It's it's really it's weird. weird. So anyways, back to Christian and Bryce. Bryce looked resigned to his fate after his encounter with Christian. He stopped by a nearby gas station to grab a soda and told Christian he would start driving home. Bryce did get on Interstate 5 and began to drive towards home. Christian, our boy, followed Bryce for about 10 miles. 
So he wasn't having it. And he was like, I'm going to follow him for about, and 10 miles is not a short no. distance. That's uh, fair. Uh, he didn't see him driving erratically or anything like that. So for the 10 miles he followed him, he didn't seem like intoxicated, nothing like that. Christian called Karen and let her know Bryce was on his way and he headed home. So fair enough. Around 1.50 a.m. the following morning, and again, Bryce still hasn't slept. 1.50 a.m. the following morning, Bryce called his parents and told them his GPS estimated he would arrive at 3.25 a.m. He then called again less than 20 minutes later. I think it was like uh, 2 or uh, yeah, 2.09 a.m. he called him. And he told them that he was too tired to keep driving and would stop and sleep. He's, and I, not advocating to continue to drive while you're tired. If you drive while you're exhausted, it is just as bad as driving while you're intoxicated. Like, that's just proven. I don't, two hours. He was two and a half hours. He should have been two and a half hours away from them at this point. He's not, but he should have been. Again, if I got that phone call, I'd be like, okay, rest. Let us know where you're at. And I'd get in my car and I'd go figure out where he was. Well, especially if it was 13 hours. Like, it's been this long and you still haven't made it. I'm just, yeah. Why don't you just pull off on the side of the road and I'm going to go find you. Yeah. Yeah. At that point. So, Bryce has been awake for like 48 hours at this point. Or something crazy. I don't know the exact number, but I know he's been awake for about two days. Here's the thing, though. His parents are not far away. I just don't understand why they didn't leave to go check on him. He's delayed in getting there for hours now. It just makes no sense that they wouldn't just drive up and meet him where he's at. But instead, instead of doing that, they're like, okay... Pull off on the side of the road, get some rest, and they go to bed. No. Mm-mm. They, they go to bed. I can tell you right now, I've stayed up way too late waiting on my stepkids to come home. And those aren't even my bio kids. Like, some have any. But my cats don't stay out late like that, where I have to stay up. I'm just going to tell you. It's only my stepkids that do that to me. But I have stayed up entirely too late waiting on them to come home. And mm -mm, no, I can't imagine just going to sleep and just being like, eh, they'll get here when they get here. And again, like, I don't want to judge these parents. I'm not a parent. But this at the same time, this is, is so odd. bizarre. This behavior from both sides is really bizarre to me. And I don't know if I'm being like unreasonable, but it just doesn't seem to mesh. It is, I don't, I, I at this point, I would definitely say there is no reason to not be concerned. Yeah, I would agree. A day ago, maybe it's now we're, we're getting at two days. Mm -hmm. Now's the time to be a little worried. Why is it taking so long? What is going on? And you have multiple people involved. You have a police station, you have this random person Christian? that's just trying to be nice. Like, it Something's going on. It doesn't make any sense. I just, this is why this is so frustrating to me. There were so many people who could have intervened, and especially as parents, and they didn't. Hindsight. Hindsight, yeah. Uh, well, that's true. Um, I wasn't in their shoes. And again, not doing any digs on the parents. I'm just, I, 
It's something I can't wrap my head around. That's it. Um, instead, they went to bed and they were awoken that morning to the California Highway Patrol officers at their door. Bryce's car had been found smashed about, uh, smashed, but without Bryce inside of it. The car had careened off of a 25-foot embankment before crashing onto the road, where it was eventually discovered. Camera footage revealed that only a few minutes after telling his parents he was taking a rest, and he, in some articles I saw where he told his parents he was going into a subdivision to park on the side of the road to sleep. He was nowhere near a subdivision. This was like going to a cove area. So he's like, uh, camera footage revealed only a few minutes after telling his parents he was taking a rest. He drove up a hill towards the Castaic Lake Recreation Area. Okay. Um, just over two hours later, he drove past this camera again. So he tells his parents at 2.09 a.m. he's going to take a rest. He goes up to this recreation center. Then two hours later, he's caught driving back down. Bryce's car was found destroyed under an hour after the second camera footage was recorded. Without Bryce present, officers were tasked with uh, piecing together what had happened. Surprisingly, they realized that the car had not driven off the embankment by accident. Bryce had held down the accelerator the entire time. Okay. The car was on its side when the police found it, and the glass... I say the glass. The glass in the back of the SUV, like the trunk area, had been, like, broken. But it was broken from the inside out. So he had, like, kicked it out, punched it out, whatever. To get out. Okay. Um, a little bit of blood was found, like, in the driver's seat area. Nothing, like, too concerning. Probably, like, a nosebleed. You know, typical for a car crash. Uh, nothing life-threatening. All of his major belongings, such as his phone, were in the car. A duffel bag that carried clothes and Bryce's wallet was discovered on the road near the vehicle. So, like, his phone's in the car, there's a duffel bag that somebody had grabbed, gone to the road, and then dropped. But also, it looked like the duffel bag had been opened and gone through. Hmm. During the search, dogs followed Bryce's scent to a location called Government Cove, but expert divers couldn't find any hint of him. I also saw where dogs were uh, tracked his scent across a bridge to a nearby truck stop. I'm not certain if this is like the same area and one article just named it differently, like a area marker differently, like they have different names. I'm, I'm not sure, but basically... Uh, from what I've heard, most of the podcasts that I've heard on this disappearance, they have said dogs tracked his scent to a truck stop and it stopped there. He just seemed to like vanish without a trace. Investigators quickly started to treat Bryce's uh, case as a suicide or like as he was a suicidal individual. They didn't suspect foul play. Which, again, I don't get. Um, 
and I want to premise this by saying, like, I know he was acting bizarrely, almost like somebody was watching him. To me, I know, I know he was acting just like so weird, but like him not wanting to talk to his parents and the police are there. It, it, to me, it felt like, I don't know. I, I have no idea. Something stinks. And this whole situation. Well, you know, um, there is such a thing as paranoia. I know. And that is, that can be a side effect of taking medications that you're not prescribed to for a reason. I know. I know. I know that. Um, We'll get into what we think at the end. Anyway. The fact that Bryce was cutting ties with people close to him, giving away his belongings, and sending sentimental texts led to them... Um, really believing that yeah, he was, you know, also he ran his car off of a mm-hmm. cliff um, or a hill. A lot right. of clear indications. Yeah, I know. What others believed would be a break in the case occurred on September 4th, 2013, when charred remains were found near Castic. Uh, I said it right. The first, Castic. 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 Whatever. Lake. However, the remains did not belong to Bryce Laspisa. Four years later, a skull was found off the nearby Templin Highway. It, too, was ruled out as Bryce's. There have been similar reports over the years, but nothing concrete has come about. Since he left his phone and belongings behind, some believe Bryce simply dipped out and started a new life. Others believe he had a psychotic break from the withdrawal from Vyvanse and alcohol. And still some believe Bryce died that night and his remains just haven't been found. His family hasn't given up finding out what happened to him, though. There is a Facebook group to find Bryce and has uh, posts about spottings of him all over the U.S., I did join this group two years ago, so I do monitor it. That doesn't surprise me I know. I'm a crazy person. Um, That was when I first heard about this case. But, yeah. So, they haven't given up. That's one thing I will, like, give them is, like, they're they're pretty adamant about, like, he's still out there. We want to find our son. Now, as far as, like, what I think, there's a couple of different scenarios that I think about this. And one was given by um, the ladies on Sinisterhood. Mm -hmm. And they said, you know, basically Bryce is an adult and he could disappear if he wants to. And this all kind of looks like he disappeared and he wanted to. And maybe, maybe they do, maybe they don't. Police know where he's at, but aren't telling the family. But the one thing I... That's possible. I have against that is that Bryce has been registered with the missing and endangered people website. Um, I forget the name of it. So I feel like they would remove that if they knew. Maybe. But if they, if he literally doesn't want to be found and he has told them and made that clear, then them taking him off would indicate that they know where he is. Yeah, but are they going to continue? Well, I don't think they are using... Well, no, I think they are still using resources to try and find him. I don't know. Um, somebody else also said that 
maybe maybe he was in like a psychotic state or um he just wasn't himself and he drove off that cliff and when he hit he hit his head he had like temporary am- amnesia or mm-hmm. something like that he it's bro- happened. he broke out he grabbed his duffel bag opened it didn't recognize anything left it walked to the truck station got a ride from a trucker and he's just somewhere out there possible um i can see that i can see that but i still don't there's to me there's something weird happening here well it's definitely weird but i think the weird aspect is is it was it something he wanted to do or something that was happening to him I think that's the question. Yeah. And there's no way of knowing it because nobody was really clearly talking to this kid. They were just like, dude, go home. Yeah. Everybody seemed dismissive. Okay. And then he just drives up the road and doesn't go anywhere. Yeah. But it's also weird that he just didn't go anywhere because if you want to just nope out, then just go somewhere else. Yeah. You don't have to stick around one area. Maybe he hadn't made a decision. Who knows? Well, and he also like he also told his mother the night bef- well the night that he started his long journey home. Well, I wonder if hey, he's... I need to tell you something. Well, yeah, that's true. Maybe he backed out. I mean, maybe he changed his mind on the way there. He thought. I mean, he's in the car by himself for hours. Let's all be honest. When we've been in the car by ourselves for hours, we didn't have podcasts back then that were super easy to that's listen true. to. Two thousand twelve. You're thinking about it real hard. You might change your mind. On certain things and talk yourself out of stuff. So maybe he just changed his mind. Who knows? I don't know. I, some, aliens. Aliens. Yes, I so, agree. Something so feels aliens. icky here and I don't like the way it feels. Because I'm like, nobody's acting. The only people who are acting the way they should in this whole story was like Christian, mm-hmm. Sean, and Kim. Yeah. And they're all outsiders. And I'm like... What is it about? Maybe there's something that nobody wants to tell. Maybe. I did see some speculation about some other stuff. We're not going to talk about it on the podcast. Um, No, I'm not about to speculate. I'm just saying maybe there's just something that's not been released. Yeah. And I just, it's just so odd. The whole behavior is just odd. And it's bugged me because I'm like, what would leave you? I was like, because I put myself in these positions anytime I do any type of case. And I'm like, what would put me in a position where I would sit on the side of the road for hours? The only time. Also, no podcasts. Yeah, I know. I don't. I don't. Do you have a book? You're not sleeping, dude. Are are you you staring into the abyss? I don't know. I can't sit still for that long. What were you doing, sir? I don't know. I don't know. It's bizarre. It's so bizarre. So that's. That was my my uh, happy anniversary case. It's not solved, um, of course not, obviously. Um, but you know, if you know where Bryce is, he is like a I think it was six three or six four uh, redhead, and I mean he's redheaded. <laughs> he is very redheaded. Okay. Uh, he's a bit built. Uh, kind of built but lanky looking. I mean, anybody okay. at all, whatever. Uh, he he has a very distinct look about him. Obviously, we'll post what he looks like on our social media. 
But like when I saw his picture, I was like, I have seen like one person who looks like him at some point in my life. Because you you look at him and you're like, oh, I've I've seen somebody who looks exactly like him. I was like, maybe I've seen him. I'm like, bitch, you haven't seen him. No, California. No, um, not likely. So if you obviously if you've seen Bryce, go join the Facebook group. Post what you saw. Contact the uh, Laguna Niguel Police Department. But uh, yeah, so that was my happy anniversary case. All right. Well, that left me with more questions and answers, so thank you for that. You're welcome. I love doing this. I know. Um, before we get into my case, I am going to requ- request a break. Okay. All right. So that's the end of mine. I don't really know. We we took a pee break, okay? Yeah. Go sorry. Ahead. It's long episodes, guys. Two back to back. I know. I'm, I'm so sorry. Montana has a lot to say. I So much. Um. um well, okay. So, on to my case. I and know. you know what my case I is. I know what your case is. I don't remember the details, but I know what your case is. And it literally kept me up the other night, <laughs> as I told you. So, I am going to cover the Richardson family murders. So, as an opener, on April 23rd, 2006, Jasmine Richardson decided to proceed with a plan she had been working on with her boyfriend, Jeremy and I'm going to say stank because that's what it looks like. And I like that pronunciation, honestly. The murder of her entire family. Buckle up, dear listeners. This one's horrific. I'm going to attempt to high level this enough so that it's not too detailed. But this case does involve the death of an eight-year-old brother. We will not do these types of cases typically. But this case, for several reasons, struck a chord with me, and actually this was one of the first cases that quite literally terrified me. It also made me want to cover cases myself. That being said, if you don't want to hear about such a case, please feel free to skip the rest of this episode. You will not hurt our feelings. We completely understand. Uh, As long as you don't skip mine. My feelings will be hurt. Yes, they will. Just make sure and make it clear. Just mark it as played. Yes. Thanks. That being said, that is your intro. That is your warning. Let's get into it. Jasmine Richardson was born around 1994. Minimal information is known about her, and we'll get into that. She lived in Medicine Hat, Alberta, Canada, with her family, Mark, her father, Deborah, her mother, and her brother, Jacob. And I saw some that said Tyler, but most of them said Jacob, so that's what I'm going to go with. It. Information from Canada for cases like this can be very hard to get sometimes because they have certain laws that protect minors. So the parent's name, always right. The the kid's name being different is not surprising. Well, like Tyler could be the real name and the other one was like an alias. Yeah. So those are the two names that I could find. From all accounts, they had a peaceful, loving family relationship. Jasmine did well in school with minimal trouble. That is until she met and began dating Jeremy Stank. Sorry, but that's just, it's, it's how it looks to me. Who was 23 at the time. And for those of you who didn't quickly do the math a minute ago, Jasmine was 12. That's gross. It seems that after Jasmine met Jeremy, she started to have more, a more rebellious attitude and started having issues at school. 
Some described her as having a complete personality shift. Things only continued to worsen to the extent that her parents knew they had to do something. Because they were losing their daughter. So they did what most parents would do. They made it increasingly hard for her to interact with her new boyfriend, who seemed to be causing much of her newfound issues. They took away her computer and grounded her. Even started counseling for her, and some reports said that the counseling was actually family counseling. When she started to have a positive response, they decided to give her her computer back. I'll also add in here that even some of her friends thought that this relationship was bad and had told her that she needed to get out of it. That's, by the way, that's so many red flags, dear listeners. When your family has a problem with it, okay, it could be a one-off, but when your friends are also telling you, hey, I don't like him, there's something wrong, you should probably think about it. Yeah. These efforts, of course, did not prevent them from interacting. It just made them angry and convinced them that it was them against the world. Soon they decided that if they wanted to be together, Jasmine's family would simply have to die. That's reasonable? I'd... For a 12-year-old? Sure. Okay. There is no middle ground. It's black and white. Apparently. Sure. All right. So let's talk about Jeremy for a minute. First of all, yeah, gross. Yeah. <laughs> I knew you would have said that at some point. It's gross. But wait, there's more. Apparently, Jeremy had a habit of hanging out with kids younger than himself, sometimes much younger, obviously, since he was suddenly dating a 12-year-old. It came out later that Jeremy had told them, and I guess convinced them, that he was actually a... If you say vampire... Three-year-old, 300-year-old werewolf slash vampire. Oh, okay. Yeah, there it is. There it is. I didn't remember that from that, but I just, like, when you... When some you of them said into, werewolf, but some of them said vampire. Most of like, them said werewolf. This, this asshole is going to say he's a vampire. Oh, yeah. my God. He liked the taste of blood and even wore a small vial of blood around his neck. Sure he did. Some reported that the two met on VampireFreaks.com, though others stated they met at a punk rock show in early 2006. No, she was 12. She was not going to something Actually, like that. she did. She did go to that show. They no. did confirm it. Her parents let her go because she had been so responsible up to that point. So they felt they could trust her. Okay. So, I'm not saying don't trust your 12-year-olds, but... Don't trust your 12-year-olds. Don't trust your 12-year-olds. <laughs> what is wrong with you? There were communications found between the two of them on Nexo, Nexopia, I guess, which was a popular website for young Canadians at the time. Many of their messages back and forth were public until the accounts were removed by the staff. Later, Jeremy would report that just hours before the murders, he and his friends had watched the movie Natural Born Killers, which if you haven't seen or heard of this movie, it's a very violent movie about a young couple who go on a killing spree together. And it doesn't end well. No. Surprise. According to some reports, Stank told his friends that he and his girlfriend should go about their plans in a similar manner, only not to spare her brother. He also told an undercover officer that the movie was the best love story of all time. Is it? No. I mean, has he watched Twilight? <laughs> <laughs> It's bad when Twilight's a better love story than another movie. <laughs> I'm sorry. I couldn't help myself. I haven't watched it in like 
three months. This is a good thing. Withdrawal. Shortly after their arrest, Stank proposed to Jasmine, who said yes. Gross. Wait, was she 13 at this point? Shortly after their arrest? No, she was still 12. Okay. Oh, it gets better. The bodies were discovered... The bodies of her family, obviously, were discovered around 1 p.m. Some reports said that they were actually spotted, or at least evidence was spotted, by a young man through, or, or a young boy, I should say, through a window on April 23, 2006. The bodies of Mark and Deborah, Jas- Jasmine's parents, were discovered in the basement. Unfortunately, the officers who entered the house and went upstairs, however, found Jacob, Jasmine's eight-year-old brother. What transpired in that house and how those lives were taken is truly gruesome. If you've made it this far, but you don't want details, you're going to want to fast forward about two to three minutes. Uh, uh, a little bit more than that. I have something to say. Okay. Well, <laughs> after she says her, her two cents. Go. Yeah. Um, that boy who spotted those bodies. No. Well, he couldn't have seen the bodies. I will say that. there's Because it was through a window it, is the way that they described it. I think he saw evidence and reported it. I don't think he actually spotted any bodies because the two parents were in the basement and the brother, I think, was upstairs. So he may have spotted, like, blood. But I don't, I don't know how much he really would have seen. It would have been enough to obviously warrant a call to the police. Yeah, but even just, like, blood as a, as a, a, a young child. I mean, yeah, I true. don't know. It depends on the area. You might see blood a lot if you're, like, hunters or whatever it might it might be a non-starter for you it didn't seem like that's the kind of area they were in though i grew up in a rural area um we didn't go hunting though if i had seen blood um i would have a come apart um i would lose it i would need more therapy than i currently have um so i don't know i feel sorry for the little oh for sure Regardless, <laughs> I feel like, sorry for him because well, even if he, he didn't saw. know what he found, he reported it. He found out later what it was. Yeah, it was. So that's still that's still traumatizing. Like, okay, was, I actually saw the evidence of that and brought that to people's attention. Yeah, it was discerning enough for him to be like, oh, oh no. And what's well, think about it? It was a young boy. So was that like Jacob's friend? I don't that know. came over and wanted to play like a neighbor oh my god and his friend was oh no that's, i don't want to that's think all that i bad. could think of and it's like because why else would somebody be looking through the windows just the next day like it's not even nobody's been able to get a hold of them for several days it's the next day and the reason why i think about this is because i have a nine-year-old stepdaughter who has a nine-year-old friend that lives three houses down and if something like this happened she would probably be doing the exact same thing yeah probably considering she like listens to this podcast too true sophia go to bed (laughs) and stop listening (laughs) right now all right so you got two minutes go ahead and fast forward stank snuck into the family's basement some reports say that jasmine had actually let him in or at least had given him a key but he had snuck into the basement disguised with a mask and armed with a knife somehow and, and that there was a couple of differing cases, uh, information given. Some said that she, Deborah, her mom, had heard a sound and went down there to investigate. And some said that Jasmine was actually there and told her to go down into the basement. So, like, lured her there. But he stabbed Deborah 12 times. When Mark rushed to help his wife, because obviously she started screaming, he and Stank fought. But unfortunately, Stank won 
stabbing Mark Richardson 24 times, including nine deep stab wounds in his back. After this, Jasmine joined Stank and went upstairs to where Jasmine knew her brother would be, asleep in his bedroom. Jasmine then stabbed her eight-year-old brother four times and Jeremy cut his throat from ear to ear, according to her. The pair then ran from the scene with the aid of Casey Lancaster, who provided a getaway ride. When the family was first discovered, it was quickly obvious that Jasmine was missing. Initially, the police thought that she had been kidnapped and put out a notice to be on the lookout for her. But when Jasmine was discovered, she was arrested the following day. So it wasn't even like, it was like maybe 24 hours that they thought she was missing and then figured it out. What a fun time. She was in Leader, Saskatchewan, which is about 130 kilometers or 81 miles away from the crime scene, along with Stank. They were both charged with all three murders. Later, Casey Lancaster, who was 19 at the time, was also charged with being an accessory for helping them escape and assisting in disposing evidence. After reviewing social media posts, it was discovered that Jasmine seemed to be the one who came up with the plan, posting, quote, I have this plan. It begins with me killing them and ends with me living with you, end quote. Wait, she posted? She posted this on social media. Public post. No. Another post, quote, their throats I want to slit. They will regret the shit they have done, especially when I see to it that they are gone. They shall pay for their insolence. Spelled wrong, by the way. Finally, there shall be silence. Their blood shall be payment, end quote. She's regurgitating what he has said to her. A twelve-year-old doesn't. A twelve-year-old doesn't think in those. I would like to think so. Phrases. No, it's just no. He's what nineteen? Is that right? Twenty-three. Twenty-three. Oh. Uh, uh, yeah. Oh. So agree. Way too old to even think about any of this stuff with a 12 year old uh that's what we mean when we mm-hmm. say groomer it has nothing yeah. to do with a certain it community doesn't, it doesn't take time either yeah all right Ugh. so the things that were reported during testimony in these trials are chilling to say the least and i'm gonna i'm literally trying to high level this because i i know we've taken up a lot of your time dear listeners Jasmine testified that her... Okay, so this is going to be another one. Fast forward 15 seconds because it won't take take me long. Jasmine testified that her brother pleaded for his life to her and emitted a gurgling sound as she stabbed him. She also later said she killed him because it was too cruel to leave him without his parents, who she arranged to have murdered. Oh. Okay. Why would you add that? What? That's a 12-year-old. Yeah. Why would you add that information? Like, oh my god. I just... Mm. Are you asking me why I would add it? Or why is no, she saying why that? she would... She's still a minor, too. I mean, no, she wouldn't I know. be able to just that's, go off with this guy. That's what I'm saying. I don't understand, like... I can't understand the mentality of a 12-year-old. That's what I'm saying. She thinks she's grown. No, I know. Because she's... Obviously seeing a grown-ass man. Who's definitely delivering some of this information. Um, From solvingmystery.blogspot.com. 
This was from their article. Quote, a front page newspaper story about the murders of a southern Alberta couple and their son brought a smile to the face of their 12-year-old daughter and her 23-year-old boyfriend as they fled the Providence, or province, an underage witness testified on Wednesday. The friend was testifying at the trial of Jeremy Allen Sank, who was facing three counts of first-degree murder for the stabbing deaths of his girlfriend's parents and her eight-year-old brother at their home in Medicine Hat at uh, Alberta, I guess is that is the shortened version, on April 23, 2006. The girl is already being convicted of first-degree murder. She was smiling about it, the friend said, describing the pair's response when they passed a copy of the paper, which featured the 12-year-old's grade seven school photograph grade seven yeah that puts it in the perspective right grade she's not even in high school no no, she is 12 years old they were pointing things out in in it the pair fled to leader saskatchewan with driver casey lancaster and three underage friends the group was arrested there the day after the family's bodies were found Friends of the pair also testified Wednesday that hours before the murders, Sank, now 25, was watching a film about serial killers and was overheard finalizing a deadly plan. He was on the phone in the kitchen, pacing back and forth, saying, I don't want to do this. Are you sure you want to do this? An uh, underage girl testified. Cordes heard the girl wanted her parents dead because they were opposed to her relationship with Sank. Another girl testified she was with Stank in his mother's trailer with a group of friends that night watching Natural Born Killers, a film that documented the fictional crimes of a serial killing couple. She said Stank compared his own plan to a scene in the movie documenting the murder of the girl's parents. And I know exactly what scene they're talking about because I've seen this movie. She said that as Stank watched the scene in the film where a young boy or where a young brother is spared, he said that's where it would be different. She would kill her brother. The friends tried to talk Stank out of his plan, the witness said. He told us, we didn't understand. He found someone crazy enough, just like himself, the girl testified. So you got two sides of this, right? So you've got a guy that's saying she wants to kill her family and her brother, but also she's, I finally found somebody just crazy enough to be like me to do this thing. I mean, yeah, but all I can think about through this whole thing ordeal is like, what I was doing when I was 12 years old. It sure as hell wasn't any of this. And I can I can tell you exactly what it was. I mean, it wasn't it wasn't this, but I was living vicariously through like film. Oh well, yeah. Um I had recently discovered I'm I'm a big fan of um Ghibli Studio mm-hmm. and I had watched like how obviously we talked about it earlier house moving castle um kiki's delivery service kiki's kiki's delivery service was the one that i obsessed about which i mean adhd i had obsession feel of yeah it's it, at that time i had recently watched that one uh my neighbor totoro was like my first favorite and then I watched the Kiki's delivery. So I know this is like off the rails at this point, but I watched that and I wanted to live through Kiki. I wanted to have like my own little apartment, like over a bakery. And I wanted to eat like pancakes every day and have my own cat. Well, I had a dog and I had uh, an imagination. So I built my own little diorama of like Kiki's apartment. That's cute. 
so that I could, I know, I and I threw it away. And I feel so bad because I felt so weird about it because nobody was into Ghibli movies like back in the No, I mean, they're day. still really not. Yeah. I mean, they're, they're into other types of anime. You don't hear a lot about Studio Ghibli anymore. But it was basically. But they're really good movies. Like, I never watched them until I was an adult. I, I love them so much. And I wanted to live in, like, Kiki's world so much that I built a diorama. And I would just sit there and I would, like, correct every little thing that I could see on. And, it, like, obviously that's, like, an obsessive thing that I did. But I was just like, this is. An obsession that is beneficial, and I can't say it's 100% beneficial, but it was. It was, like... More beneficial than killing your family. Yeah, more beneficial than killing your family. Um, I've never seen a movie where they were... Actually, we watched a show today where there was some violence, and I gagged, turned my head, and I couldn't watch until Samantha said, okay, you're fine. I'm not going to lie. <laughs> Sophia, at some point, Sophia was watching it and going, kill him, kill him, kill him. And I'm like, girl, you're really worrying me right now. But it was more of a competitive spirit and not so much her really realizing yeah, what was going really on. Was. And she was like, Are, Montana, what is wrong? And I was like, this is, I can't deal with this gory shit. <laughs> there's, there's a certain... That's that's one thing that I argue about with the game stuff of, you know, if they're around violence all the time, they just get desensitized. It's not that they get desensitized. It's just not real. And they know it's not real. Yeah. They look at a movie and they're like, this person isn't really dying. It's an actor that's acting like he's dying. And I understand that. I'm more interested in the plot line of it. And I feel like that's how she is a lot of times. It's like that competitive nature kicks in and she's like, no, you have to win at all costs. Kill him. Yeah. Do I think for a second she's going to do that in real life? No, No. absolutely not. She's a little sweetheart. She doesn't even want the chipmunks to die when the cats catch them. She let one go. It was already dead. Yeah. And it was unfortunate. So I don't worry about that. No, there's a difference. I was making a comparison because I was like, I watched movies and I like had inspirations to them. And like, yeah, I watched like horror movies when I was a kid and stuff like that. I didn't like them. I don't like them. You don't like them now. An adult. (laughs) But like, I never, like, I grew inspiration from like things that made me feel good. And to think that somebody drew inspiration to make themselves feel good from something so violent is inconceivable to me a person let alone a child yeah and they're a child and that's the thing like their brains are not even halfway developed at that point let's be honest my brain didn't develop until like two days ago uh so i can't imagine that watching a movie i just you, she shouldn't even be watching a movie like that at that age, let alone having a 22, 23-year-old boyfriend. Yeah, you're giving you're giving him some grace because it was 23 all the way. Okay. Well, it, it's just, it's all of it's gross. I don't it like is. it. And you, you can't, like, uh, you can't, like, something, and I hate to say this, something was rotten inside of her. Oh, yeah. To look at... Watch a movie like that and draw inspiration from it. Something. Well, now up to this point, he's the only one. And honestly, throughout my research, I didn't see that she was actually there when this was going on. 
it, all the reports, all of the testimony talk about him being there. And he says, me and my girlfriend. So I don't think she was there when they were watching the movie. I'm not going to say she didn't watch it. I'm not going to say she didn't make comments. But in this specific situation that was testified, I don't think she was there. It was just him. But he said it would be different because she would kill her brother. And I'll give... I, I'm, I'm about to get to the... Um, uh, what's it called? Testimony? Not testimony. Um, Recap. Interrogation. <laughs> We're doing a fun game right now. <laughs> no, like when you have the audio and you write it all out. Why can I Transcript. Think? Transcript. Thank you. I have a transcript from um, his confession to oh. uh, Undercover Cop. Well, I don't know. And get into it. Anything but, he says, but okay. Fair enough. But it is kind of interesting because it is a conversation and it goes back and forth. But anyway, there's a. It was actually written. Just don't judge me. There's a transcript of Stank's confession to the, the undercover cop. And for the sake of time, I'm not going to put it all in here. But there are reports that make it seem like this guy is just flat out delusional. It does show more into Jasmine's actions and words regarding the murder of her family. And definitely further made the point of how dangerous this girl and this pair were. I took out basically all of the officer's parts because it was a lot of, yeah... Uh huh. How about that? And no way type of stuff, basically, to just kind of encourage Bro. him to keep talking. <laughs> so it really wasn't necessary. But I did get a copy of the transcript from an article on Canada.com. Um, and the recording was uh, explicit excerpts from audio tape of the accused killer, Jeremy Allen Stank, with an undercover officer on May 4th, 2006. It it's graphic to some extent. So it's not like it, it may not be suitable for everybody. So just fair warning. So he asks about, um, you ever watch the movie natural born killers? I think that's the best story. Love story of all time. Best love story of all time. Dude, you have not read any love stories. Again, that I, is the best one that I you cannot can see. stress this enough. He has not watched Twilight. <laughs> no. Well, at this time, no, cause it didn't exist. And basically, I don't know, it, I guess, I guess me and my girlfriend just started out our own love legacy. She, she says it's the next closest step to immortality. I don't know. I might want to get, I might get off on one of these charges or two of those charges. Cause one, one, she killed her brother. I didn't touch him and her dad attacked me with a screwdriver. So that's, that's technically self-defense. Not when you break into their house. That's not complicated. I promised her that once we got out of here, we get a indiscernible something. I'm going to save up my money and we're going to buy one of those old castles in Germany. Sure. She loves this idea. Well, all you can find on this continent is mansions and shit. There's no castles. Yeah, we figured we'd go, we'd go have something buy a castle and any of our friends that are still something friends, I guess, real friends. I don't know. Invite them to come live with us. Cause we're all like two, three, two people, couple kids going to live in a castle. It's like a hundred rooms or whatever. Sir, this you, is where I'm coming on the, 
delusional aspect. Sir, you are not a child. You are not a kid. You're a grown-ass adult. Also, you don't have the money to buy a castle. How is this going to happen? I know. No, 100%. But also, you're a grown-ass man. (laughs) It's okay for a 12-year-old to have delusions of grandeur. Like, delusions of owning a castle. But 23 years old? You know what I was doing at 23 years old? Getting arrested. (laughs) (laughs) but yes (laughs) no i was doing adult shit (laughs) seriously i was i wasn't hanging out with 12 year olds no i was paying insurance i was paying rent i was paying shit that i had to pay i was going to a job every single day like that i hated i i hated i hated it (laughs) so much but the whole point is like how how does somebody at tw- I remember what I was like at 23 and I remember myself being immature as fuck but yes. I would not have been around a 12 year old no that would have that would have been a child to you and that would have been like having your own child and you yeah. would have been very against that wouldn't have happened wouldn't have happened it, it's just bizarre. That's you, that sets you apart Ugh. from this person so weird so then he says, yeah, this is my first time being in jail. Chuckles. This is my first time and I'm going to do hard time. Never thought I'd go to jail. No. And then I met then I met her and told her I'd do anything for her. And now I'm paying the consequences. And all I can say is there's no sense obsessing about what could have happened because what's done is done. And by the way, there's a lot of break, breaks in here where the officer is like encouraging him to keep talking. And he says, yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I tried talking her out of it, but let's effing run. And she wouldn't have it that way. She got upset with me. Yeah, we didn't argue or anything. She didn't yell or anything. She was just like, she was just sad. And I didn't like that. And I was like, okay, well, I'm a man of my word. So let's fucking do it. And I was about high as, and I was about high as a kite too. I haven't mentioned that, by the way, intentionally because I left that for this i was already slamming back bruise before she called me and this is very much me quoting him this is not me saying my thing bruise okay and then before any of it happened i went to my buddy's place and slammed back a bottle of a something it's called vampire it's a bottle of wine red wine really good stuff i bet it's probably like five bucks a bottle yeah and uh we had a something and then effing slipped me a gram of blow so i was effing oh man i was effing wrecked i well not just that i got some mental problems too eh you don't say you don't say screw words have never been spoken why is he being so casual about this like that's this guy's this undercover cops acting like he's just another another inmate and he's just encouraging him to talk i mean there's a lot of stuff in between here too he's not literally just blowing all this stuff out he's saying stuff in between and saying like oh yeah i do this and i do that in between no i try to encourage it but But like why would you he's just saying everything we haven't even gotten to the worst part of it he says i definitely wasn't in the right state of mind if i was sober i probably had I wouldn't even, I don't know, I probably would continue to try to talk her out of it. But I was like, okay, let's go. But, well, if the cops would have just pulled me over before I got to her place, I would have gotten busted for a DUI. I wouldn't have even made it to her indiscernible. Slam back a 2-4 indiscernible, I don't even know what that is, or a flat of beer. And effing, then I followed that vampire wine. So basically saying, 
I would have been so freaking plastered that if a cop had just pulled me over before I made it to that house, I would have never gone there and this wouldn't have happened. And I can understand that to me kind of shows a little bit of remorse that he's drinking, he's doing drugs, he's trying to work himself up to it. And then he's like, but if only I had gotten caught before on all of this before. And I wonder if he did that to try to get caught before he made it there. Yeah. Well, okay. So he's like doing all this stuff to be able to like go work through his way. with it. Yeah. Uh, work his way up to it. Get the gumption to like do it. And then like he's like, oh, but he, this is what, that's what frustrates me about people like him. He's like, he's sitting there. Here's the thing, though. They they brag about it, right? If, you, if you're a sociopath or whatever, you're bragging about it to this other guy. He's actually trying. This is the only thing that throws me off. He's bragging about it, but he's not. He's also saying, dude, if, if a cop had just pulled me over, I wouldn't have done it. But he's putting the onus of responsibility on other people to stop yes. him from doing it. Well, no and yes. He's saying that if that had just happened. I don't. When I read his transcript, I read somebody who's who regrets what they did and thinks, if only this had happened, this this other thing wouldn't have happened. It's not necessarily blaming it. It's more if this one piece of the pie had fallen into place, all these other things wouldn't have happened. And I, this worst thing that I did wouldn't have happened. I'm not, I, I'm not saying he's blameless. I'm not saying he's not guilty. I'm not saying that what happened as far as him being convicted shouldn't have happened. But what I am saying is I feel like in reading this, and I didn't actually watch a video because I'm not going to watch a video of this POS that's a 23-year-old that dated a 12-year-old and can, worked his way up to killing her family is worth anything. But I do see more remorse than I see in her. Yeah, that's fine. But, I mean, he can have remorse, but he's also not taking blame for it. And that's my biggest thing. Like, he's he's Maybe. putting the responsibility of his actions on people who might have, could have, maybe should have stopped him. How about you stop yourself, sir? How well, about yeah. you don't do this? You're 23. That's always the case. Dating you always take ownership. a 12-year-old, and you're listening to a 12-year-old say she wants to kill her parents and you're like you know what sounds but good. also his mental capacity was never tested nor is it reported i will say that okay and to be completely fair because we've had several cases where that's come up correct yes and that would explain to some extent why he would be able to be in a relationship with somebody so young possibly and that's never reported but it was reported that his mother Basically, the entire time that he was being raised was in nothing but abusive relationships the entire time that he was being raised from the time he could remember. And it was multiple different ones. So she was she had her hands full with the household trying to manage a household taking care of her kid. So I, there's not a lot said about his history. So I'm, I'm just saying take it with a grain of salt. It could be a lot of other things. They didn't delve into him because he was the adult in this situation and she was the child. It doesn't say that necessarily mentally he was actually an adult because it doesn't cover that. So there could be other factors. I don't know. I wasn't on that jury and I didn't convict him. But Fine. 
with the information provided, it seems like there's a ounce of remorse, which is more than I can say for her. And I'll get into that. Okay. Uh, sure. Even at this point. Just to say. So anyway, um, he said, uh, I often did the blow. I was off like a rocket. My old lady, which by the way, he calls her his old lady, which is another reason why I don't. That's I, I think there's something mentally wrong with him. My old lady's father, he was a big guy. When he came at me with a screwdriver, I was scared shitless. I thought I was going down. I thought, you noticed how my eyes kind of bloody, right? My eye was swollen shut. He effing grabbed my face and shoved his thumb in my eye. Yeah, yeah. That's what people do when their life is on the line. And effing, yeah. Then he attempted to stab me with a screwdriver. Just missed my muscle right here and went through my hoodie. And the guy was like, oh, man. That's nasty. That's crazy. And he's like, yeah. Uh... I screamed and shit because I thought he got me. And he, there is A's in here, which is kind of funny. I thought he got me, A. And I just stabbed and like, effing yeah. I was like, I was surprised I came out on top. I thought I was dead, man. That was basically it. After, I'm like, it's all blurry and shit, man. Like, I, it's like a haze. I don't remember a lot of it. I just remember standing in her basement expecting her dad to come downstairs. And instead it was her mom. So her mom wasn't supposed to come downstairs first. It was supposed to be her dad. So oh. he didn't expect that. And instantly I freaked out and got her and effing. Then she starts screaming and he comes barreling downstairs and effing came at me real fast and shit. Yeah, I know. The last thing I really remember was him and after him attempting to stab me and shit, him laying on the ground asking why. And this is the part. Trigger warning. This, this, this is the part that stabbed me in the chest. I said, because you treat your daughter like shit and she wanted it this way. Those are the last words that her father heard before he died. He asked why and he said, because you treat your daughter like shit and she wanted it this way. And she wasn't there to change it. She wasn't there to tell him any different and that's how she actually felt at the time. Uh, and that was it. I went upstairs and I watched my girlfriend cut her brother's throat. It didn't bother her at all either. She didn't cry or anything. In fact, the next day we were on the road and she was laughing about it. She got a, fr a few screws loose too. You're both sociopaths. Yeah, to say the least. Um, this other part was pretty funny um, considering. You know what really pisses me off? There's people going around saying I'm 25, saying my girlfriend's 12. Effing utter balls, man. I'm, I just turned 23 and she's, she's, 13 turning 14 she's legal age that's not legal age my friend i don't care if it is in canada or not that's over 10 years difference what's wrong with you well, and, and to be clear 10 years difference isn't there's a, big a difference deal. between 23 and 33 and 13 and 23 there's not once you hit your 30s 33 and 43 is not yeah. a big difference anything below that 23 13 when I was in my early 30s, I wouldn't date a guy that was below 25 because it was just like, no, absolutely yeah, not. There's there's a big difference. And I mean, like, I'm so glad people are starting to point it out, like the grooming mentality, especially men who like mm -hmm. prey on younger women. Leonardo DiCaprio comes to mind. Um, there's a reason why men can only be with women that age. There's a reason, and it's a controlling factor. 
It's a, and that's why I have no sympathy for this guy, even though he seems to make. Let me make it clear. I'm not making. I don't feel sorry for this no, guy. No, I, I know. I, I give him no like kudos to like some made up sympathy that he may have. He preyed on a 12 year old, and I understand that mental mental capacities may have played a role in that. But even people who have a mental deficit or a mental disorder can see the difference in a child and an adult. They can. You hope. They can. (laughs) It's just, it seems just so gross. Something, he's a predator. Oh yeah. Well, he really can't be anymore, but Oh, okay. We're getting that. Sorry. Uh, I just, it it pisses me off because he's like, he didn't take any, and again, I understand if he has some like mental income, mental instabilities, uh, you know, learning disorders, anything like, I understand if he has something like that. I think he definitely has some mental disorders. That's the bare minimum. That's fine. That doesn't give him a pass to be a predator it doesn't give him a pass to be a murderer people who have those mental disorders know right from wrong for the most part when we talk about people who have like you know psychotic breaks who don't have who can say i didn't know what i was doing we're talking about um what was her name uh she was suffering from um, postpartum psychosis. She drowned her kids in the bathtub in Texas. Oh, I know the case you're talking about. But I don't know yeah, I can't, I can't remember her name. But that situation, no, to me, and crucify me if you want, she wasn't in a state of mind to know what she was doing. Something that's what I think about when we talk about like mental instability. To be clear, because you're crucifying me right now, just to be clear, I'm not justifying anything that he's no, done. I'm not, crucifying not you. saying I'm sorry. that there's any um, justification for anything that he did. Not saying that it's okay if you do have any kind of issues. What I am saying is, and I'll get to it because I haven't gotten to it yet. And yes, there's a bunch of noise in the background because Hal's a pain in the ass. Um, She was not held accountable to the level she should have been. Groomed or otherwise, she was also completely culpable in the things that she did. And she was not held accountable. And you will find that out. That's why I was going through that whole process. Okay, I'm just like, to the end. It just, however, 100%, there is no redeeming qualities about this guy. All I'm saying is I got more remorse out of him than I did out of her. And right now she's scot-free and nobody knows where she is or what she's doing because she can do whatever the hell she wants. So that's where I have a problem with it. But I haven't gotten to that because you keep I'm sorry. Me. He just, he pisses me off because he's an adult. And oh, he, he like, definitely pisses he me off. But at the same time, child. a male at 23 is not quite to the same adult activity. Let's be honest. They're still basically legally adult children at that point. Yeah, I guess. I mean, 
12 years old, though, there is no excuse whatsoever. You cannot look at a girl, a child that is 12, 13 years old, and look at them as anything other than a child. There is no excuse for that. Yeah. They are a child. They are not fully grown. They are not a woman. That is not your old lady. That is bullshit. And that's so gross. And if you can look at them as anything like that, you are fucked in the head. Yeah, he called her his old lady. Pure and simple. No, he's he's definitely fucked in the head. But he's like, oh, he just, mm, he pisses me off because a 12-year-old. It's just, that's what's fucking me up. But what I'm, the groundwork that I'm laying, I think she was prepped for it. I don't think, and I'm not saying by her dad or anything. I think she was a sociopath, to be perfectly honest. And the the door just opened, and she found an opening, and she went for it with this guy because this is what I want to go with, and this is what I want to do. Because it was such a personality shift from the time before until she met him and completely changed who she was. It just seems too convenient, almost. Okay. It's just such a big shift for just such a small a person. <laughs> com- a person comes into your life and you completely change your life. I know. I've been a teenager and yeah, you get all consumed by how did you get in? I don't. I don't know. There is a cat I, I in kept, here and I have no idea where she came from. I kept seeing her. I mean, we already had one cat in here. Her. All right. Anyway, so I'm almost done. Both Jasmine and Stank were convicted of all three counts. Jasmine turned 13 shortly before being convicted and is thought to be the youngest person in Canada ever to be convicted of multiple first-degree counts. On July 9, 2006, she was sentenced to 10 years, a sentence completed on May 6, 2016. So she has been out and free for right at seven years. So she was released when she was the same age that her boyfriend was Actually, she was arrested. Young. Well, right at, yeah. 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 Gross. Jeremy Sank, who now goes by the name Jackson May, don't blame him for changing his name, was sentenced to three life sentences to be served concurrently. Do we remember what concurrent is? One after the other. Consecutive. No. Consecutive is one after one. Oh, concurrent. So concurrent is all at the same time. So three life sentences no. all at the same time. Why? Why would they? That's just how it worked. Why would they On do December that? 15th, 2008, he will be eligible for parole after 25 years or in 2033. That's not enough. That's not yeah, enough. Agreed. The charge against Casey, which I don't know if we remember Casey, but Casey helped she but yeah helped him escaped was eventually actually just dropped and she pleaded guilty to obstruction charge she received one year of house arrest as part of the deal and order was ordered to refrain from drugs and alcohol okay okay <laughs> i literally put parentheses okay <laughs> sure sure thing 19 when when the charges were were brought about sure sure thing all right, so the reason we don't know Jasmine's current name, or at least what she changed it to after um, she was released, is due to the Youth Criminal Justice Act. According to an article from Canada.com, under the Youth Criminal Justice Act, Richardson's name could no longer be published in Canada after she became a suspect. So she was actually referenced as um, J.R., Under the same act, 12 is the youngest possible age at which a person can be charged with a crime. 
Convicts who are under 14 years of age at the time they were they committed a crime cannot be sentenced as adults and cannot be given more than a 10-year sentence. And no more than six of those years can be spent in custody at a young offender's center. The rest of the sentence would be served under supervision in the community. Basically like work release. Mm-hmm. Once that's done, she'd be free. Adult murderers, meanwhile, are monitored for life. It's highly unlikely that a 12-year-old girl will ever be named, even if she's convicted. The Youth Criminal Justice Act prohibits identifying children aged 12 to 17 accused or convicted of a crime unless they receive an adult sentence, which it it has happened, but almost never. So basically what that means is because she was so young, she got out real fucking easy. That's why I say... I feel like she was a sociopath. I feel like she saw the opportunity and I feel like she jumped on it. You know what this reminds me of? Because she got in this, got it done before the deadline. The Yeah. Well, yeah. Oh, this... She had very little leeway. She could only be 14 by the time she was convicted. It might have been dumb luck. I mean. Could have been. But that also seems awfully fishy. That 12 is the youngest. So anyway, I'll, I'll just do this last bit. According to an article on news.com.au, Jasmine had a final court hearing and never offered an apology or a single expression of remorse for what she had done. Her name not. cannot even be published in her country, and she's only ever referred to as JR. No one knows what her changed name is because it's protected under Canada law, and there's no telling what she's doing today or even where she is. But she was described as a, quote, poster child for rehabilitation uh she reminds me of that little girl who was like five or six who was going around and like killing little boys um i think it was in europe i can't remember but she killed like she killed like a toddler she was she was younger than sophia and she killed a toddler boy and then she showed up at the toddler boy's mother's house like later and was like hey i miss him thanks like she was a sociopath but they couldn't trial her as an adult because of legalities yeah and so she got a completely different name um she had an entire family things mm-hmm. like that like the whole the whole night and it was just if a and I'm not saying, like, you can't change who you are from a kid to an adult. Obviously, you can. I was You're not mess. fully developed mentally for yeah. that. But, yeah. For sure. But there's, if if you can do something that heinous at such a young age. And that's the debate. Like, a lot of the articles that I saw, people from Canada, they were like, I don't want her in my neighborhood. Yeah. Because if she could do that at 12, imagine what she can do at 22, at 25, at 30, when people forget this story and they don't know what she looks like. And, like, not, I mean. This time I won't get caught. Like, I made that's scary. I made a lot of mistakes in my early 20s, late teens. Marriage was a big one for me. So, yeah. <laughs> so, can also kudos to me making a lot of mistakes. My mistakes didn't kill anybody and i think that's kind of where you cross the line like 
I have a Killing hard people. Yeah, well, I that's have, good to know that's a lot. I have a hard time like coming back from that, like forgiving people for killing. Hi, hi, how are you? Um, that was a cat. I'm sorry. She's, she's being so disruptive. Right I know now. she right really at the end is. Of the podcast. Thank you. She's already pulled down some of the blanket. I already know. I saw. Uh, I just can't get past that when you take somebody's life, and it's like, it's like, how do you? When you cause harm to anybody other than yourself in general. How do you how do you alleviate yourself of that guilt? Well, first of all, you have to feel it. I know. And the, if they're a sociopath, they're not going to feel it and they don't overcome it. And so I'm like, this is not, that's not good. But also, I feel like most doctors are sociopaths. Because if anybody can cut into anyone without any remorse... Like, I'm happy you can. It helps us. We, we, we need you. So we need you. Don't listen to this podcast because Montana's <laughs> against you. <laughs> I'm just like, if you can do that, um, there's something wrong with you. <laughs> just, it's so there's weird. something wrong with all of us, let's be honest. Yeah. So this was the case that really um, effed me up in the head. And uh, it's kind of good to get it out and finally do it myself. I would not cover cases like this on a regular basis but for some reason i know the reasons i'm not gonna say them um this one just really stuck with me and it always has and i heard it on one podcast and i couldn't listen to it on yeah. other ones you made me listen to it and i was I know, like i sent it to you why 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 i was like i need your opinion on this i can't be the only one to hear this and i just kept sending why i was like i'm i'm scared i'm scared so it's you're welcome. All the time. Um, if you stayed here with us throughout the whole thing, thanks. Um, yeah, we we got these things out of our heads, and uh, we're at an hour and forty-seven minutes. I made up for the time that you spent. I know. <laughs> I know. Uh, it's when when we release it, it's not going to be an hour and forty-seven minutes. Fair I enough. will cut some of it, like all the Harley stuff. What are you? Yeah, doing? I know. Oh my goodness. I got some good videos though. Okay. Anyways, um, if you have been a listener since day one or since yesterday or today, um, happy anniversary to us. Cheers. One year doing this. I'm, oh my God. It's been a year. It's Cheers. been a long year. It's been a, a long year. Um, more good stuff, to bad come. stuff, lot stuff. Yeah, uh, it's just been a lot going on, and thanks for hanging out with us yeah, for however you. long it's been. Um, we never thought anybody would listen to us. We just thought it. Would yeah, be I know. <laughs> that still surprises me. I like log on and I look at who's like what our like download rate is, and I'm still surprised at the number that we get every Friday morning or Friday afternoon. I typically will check it then. I'm like, oh my god, we have like people listen um like 18,000 was it 18,000 yeah 18,000 sure something like that so to you guys hi and um, thanks thanks um and if you messaged me this week about last week's episode thanks that was kind um i'll respond eventually once you can do it without crying. Yeah. <laughs> Joke all you want. If, I have compassion. If that ever happens. <laughs> I know. I feel so bad. Uh, some, like, real, just 
segue and then we'll end some uh friends in my everyday life listened to the podcast and they were like are you okay and i was like no i'm no, fine no i'm never okay. i'm fine Where have you been? and they were like that was a really difficult and i was like no it was difficult for me too and that's why i cried i'm so sorry <laughs> i didn't mean to like i can't help it when i like i wanted to cry a couple of times tonight but i didn't because i wasn't speaking like you can't hear me i might be look here's the thing I'm <laughs> and this is her medicated folks. <laughs> I feel a lot of things. This and I true. I feel I didn't want to release last week's episode, but it was the only one we had recorded. <laughs> I felt a lot of things like we yeah. So I just I'm fine. I'm fine. And anyone who's reached out, I'm okay. I just felt a lot of things about it and I appreciate you reaching out so thanks love you mean love it. you and it's truly appreciated but anyways samantha we're not going through the end of this no this is a happy anniversary yeah so we're good if you all know the deal yeah if you've stuck around this long um love you mean it love you mean it happy anniversary happy anniversary cheers to you cheers to us okay <sighs> bye okay bye Let's, uh, oh, you you cracking it open? Go ahead. I'll take a sip while you do that. Okay. All of this is getting cut and put at the end of the episode as a yes. teaser. <laughs> How you put it at the end of the episode make it a teaser? That doesn't even make sense. It's not a teaser. Um, an Easter egg. Ah, there you go. Easter egg works. Keep uh, going. Like I do my, my burps. Yes. You're welcome, by the way. Um... Da 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 ba ba The Reaper